and welcome to the Experiential Education Podcast. This week, I'm talking with Caroline Smith, who is Programmer for Schools and Teachers at the National Gallery in London. Caroline has lectured at the National Gallery since 2003. Having studied at the University of London, Caroline specialises in early Italian Renaissance art. Her work has included teaching art history and developing learning programs for a range of institutions. It was wonderful to chat with her in London at the National Gallery. Thanks for talking with us today, Carolyn. You're the programmer for schools and teachers at the National Gallery in London. Can you give us a bit of a background of your experience in arts education? Yes, I started my career as a classroom teacher. So my first experience of gallery education was when I came here actually uh, on my first school's teaching practice with a group of sort of 12-year-old students and I was just blown away by the impact that that one visit had and how different they appeared to be from how they would normally be in class and just the different environment and the different style of teaching in the gallery and that was my my very first experience of it and it made me think not just this is what I want to do but this is actually what I want to incorporate in my own teaching. So I taught in schools for around 10 years, generally uh, secondary school students or high school students for you. And I really tried to, to use art and painting in particular and that style of working in my own teaching. And then gradually I moved over into more museum and gallery education um, here, but also in other institutions before uh, taking this job here. So that sudden moment of realisation when you were here, was it a particular work? Was it just the space itself? It was partly the space. It was partly how the students reacted to that. For many of them, even though this was a school in South London, so not very far away at all, we got the bus here, you know, that's how close it was. They had never been here. And uh, they'd never, many of them, been in anything that resembled this sort of building with this sort of collection. Uh, and just the, the impact of walking in almost. But then it was their engagement with particular paintings, paintings that on the face of it you would have thought had no relevance to somebody who was, you know, 12 or whatever. But the way their engagement, and that came through conversation and allowing them space to ask their own questions, to form their own interpretations, to really look, and just the way that they were able then to, to use that experience when they went back to school, I think. I guess that's one of the big challenges is to, there's sometimes there's a certain interpretation of one artwork, but then you have a group of 12-year-olds and they see it completely differently. Absolutely. Uh, and that starts really with their, their first looking at a painting, I think. You know, you get any group in front of a painting and the thing that you personally notice first may really not be the thing that appeals to them. They may be looking at something in the bottom left-hand corner and that's the thing that draws them and that's what leads them in. And so interpretation can be very different. And we, with our schools programme, we are, it's slightly easier with a, with a large group than it is for individuals visiting the gallery, but we always encourage them, whether they come as part of a group or 
on their own, don't read the label first. You know, it's what you see all the time, isn't it? People going around a gallery, they don't look at the painting, they look at the label first. Yeah. And we always say, just whatever you don't do that. Yeah, by all <laughs> means go and read it later. But start with looking and start with what your idea is, what you notice, what you think it means, the connections that you make. I hadn't actually thought of that. That's a really good approach. It's really interesting when you watch people go around a gallery what they do first. I will do that. I'll, I'll, I'll go for a wander and uh, I will do that. Yes, yeah. So with the collection, the collection in the National Gallery is enormous. What is kind of give us, giving us an idea of the size and scope of the collection in terms of numbers? So we have around 2,300 paintings and they cover generally Western Europe from around the 13th century to the early 20th. So our earliest uh, painting is an altarpiece painted by an artist, uh, Margarita de Arezzo, that we know very little about. Um, it's an altarpiece that was probably painted in the early 1260s. And then that goes all the way through to the early 20th century. The latest painting in the collection currently is a painting by George Bellows, uh, painted in 1912. So. It, Everything is there. <laughs> yeah, yes. So with getting in, into the National Gallery, what's, what's the general criteria for, for a work to get into the gallery? So first of all, uh, quality. The quality of the artwork, um, looking at artists who have maybe changed the direction uh, of how art has developed, who are artists who are continued points of reference in telling that story. The narrative, can that acquisition enhance the way that the institution tells the story of, uh, of art, but also about widening that, that narrative. So for example, now uh, we might be looking not just at Western European artists, but artists who are working in that Western European tradition. Yeah. And also paintings that build on the gallery's strengths. So there are particularly strong areas of the collection like Italian Renaissance painting, 17th century Dutch paintings, early modern French, so woodworks, you know, enhance that and, and, and the telling of that story. With your school groups, could you give us an overview of the different school programs that you run at the National Gallery and roughly how many students per year come through to experience those programs? So we're really looking at ways of making the collection accessible and relevant and meaningful to as wide a group of students as possible. We do that through a regular on-site program that runs throughout the academic year and is broadly two parts. So we offer tours of the collection, which are themed so that they tie into other work that they're doing in school. Uh, they last around an hour. We look at three or four paintings together. Um, we also run sessions that combine that with practical workshops. So they might spend half a day or the equivalent of what the school day would be with us, working in the gallery, looking at painting, maybe doing their own interpretive drawing, collecting, you know, providing inspiration for their own work back in the studio. And we run workshops that look at different ways of working. So we've got printing workshops, tempera, etc. We also run specific projects through the year that are targeted either at specific groups 
or might be tied to an exhibition that the, the gallery is, is holding. But we're always looking at new ways of making this collection relevant to those students. Um, we have a, a national primary programme, which is Take One Picture, where we take one picture from the collection every year and we encourage primary teachers to work with that painting across the curriculum with their students and they can submit the work that they produce to an annual exhibition which is held here at the gallery which is just amazing we, we get such uh, fantastic examples of work they're artistic in their their sort of final output but when you look at the learning that has gone into creating that and the, the links that they have made across subjects that's really quite incredible and it's lovely to have children's work displayed in the gallery itself what's the painting for this year what's 2020 um, <laughs> or is it not revealed no, yet no, no. well it's a slightly long time like so the exhibition of, for 2020 is a work that schools will have been working on in the previous academic year and it's centred around that painting I mentioned earlier, the latest one in the collection, um, George Bellows' Men of the Docks from 1912. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating painting, and it's also been fascinating to see the themes that, that teachers have, uh, and students have picked up around that. Um, it's about essentially migrant workers in, in New York, with areas of New York being built in the background. Um, you know, it's the port, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. With your primary programs, whilst we're on that, what, what are some of the other primary programs that you run here? Mainly our primary offering is either the tours or the workshops that we were mentioning earlier. And then we might target specific projects at primary students. So for example, we had one last term which was around poetry. So we worked with a group of year five students who would be sort of nine ten and we worked with a, a poet who came to the gallery with them and we were looking at specific paintings with the idea of creating a new work in this case it was poetry and music and he worked with them but we also uh, as well as producing that that written outcome were then thinking about translating that back into another visual form. So they then made their own prints about, that reflected the work that they'd done too. So that was a nice crossover. From there, you bring students either back or schools bring students back in, in other years and they build do. on that? One of the things that we are trying to do, with the, particularly with the primary programme, is encourage that engagement that's not going to last just for that visit mm. but is hopefully going to not only set them up for their school career but they're going to want to come back as as individuals and I think coming here particularly to that primary age group it's often quite overwhelming so for many it's the biggest building they've ever been in yeah you know the scale of the paintings they don't quite understand I think before they come here so so many will have seen uh, painting on a poster or a postcard or the, the whiteboard at school is a classic example, um, which, which is great, but it gives you no idea of scale. Yeah. So you might be looking at something on your whiteboard that looks massive and then you come and find that it's you know, really quite <laughs> tiny. <laughs> um, um, so they're often quite surprised by that sort of thing. They're also really surprised by the fact that this is a collection that belongs to them. 
So if you ask them, well, who do these paintings belong to? The first choice is always the Queen. Yep. <laughs> they always think they belong to the Queen. And then after that, it's the government or maybe the artists or their family. But, but they don't really connect the fact, this is actually your collection. You know, so come and, come and engage with it. And with all our, our visits, we're trying to encourage conversation and we're trying to encourage investigation. So we're not telling them what they should see or what they should think we're encouraging them to work that out for themselves. And so we tend to use a, a bit of a three-step approach that we're getting people to look, we're getting people to think about what they've seen, make connections, and we're getting them to imagine. So we're trying to encourage that connection between the painting and maybe their own experiences, their own lives, or other work that they're doing, or inspiration to create their own work. So it is that three-step look, think, imagine, and really about your own exploration and your own investigation. That's excellent because, uh, unfortunately, the risk with a lot of education is that here is the answer or here is the solution. And I I love the fact that, that you're helping students see, well, no, you are empowered to come up with your answer, your solution, your context for this. I I think that's really powerful. We're trying to encourage those critical thinking skills and and creative thinking skills as well. And that idea of forming an interpretation, being able to support that interpretation with evidence and also being able to articulate that, uh, I think is really important and it's a really important skill generally. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so just moving to, say, high school students now, how do you build that into your high school students, maybe, maybe with deeper meaning and deeper context as they're growing up and as they're maturing? How do you differentiate the programs in that way? We start, again, with looking. And, again, we were talking about people going around a gallery and you only have to observe that for yourself. People, adults... Uh, as well, are generally bad at looking. We go, oh yeah, very nice, we move on. So it starts with looking, and it starts with the idea of exploration. But it's about, I think, the importance of questioning, but also leaving space, particularly for those older students, to ask their own questions, to, for them to make the connections with, with prompting, but also giving them more more space to come up with those interpretations through skillful question questioning, but also encouraging the idea that this is not an isolated work. This has a, a life of its own, a, a backstory, if you like, that there is a context and they need to be able to see it, both in terms of the context in which it was produced, but also what they think it might say to them. And I think, art in general but we find certainly with painting here that it's a really good starting point for many of those those deeper philosophical questions if you like it's a good route into to discussing some of those bigger questions with uh, teenagers today the the world is full of lots and lots of distractions uh, and people are on their phones all the time so how does somewhere like the National Gallery enable teenagers to just slow down and just to appreciate maybe the moment? We 
try and encourage them to look at fewer things <laughs> and to actually take time and encourage a bit of stillness because we're all so busy and in a way painting painting can work to our advantage because for many of them it's so different from the visual images that they're bombarded with you know this is something that is not going to move it's not going to change you can't press a button and reset it so take advantage of that you know and, and, and spend spend time with it and encourage them to notice what's important to them what they see first because that's going to be different from from what someone else might notice whether it's a particular color or it's it's brushwork or what is it you notice why do you think the artist did that you know why have they put that in that particular way or you know in that particular place and just to slow down and give that time which I think is really hard to do I think it's hard to do for all of us really yeah. but particularly when you're you know to you, you you're used to things changing and moving and, and whatever so one technique that we sometimes uh, will use is the idea of drawing for looking so we're not drawing because we want to replicate Monet, because we're not going to be able to do that anyway. No, not, not <laughs> this, well. this is not going to help be helpful. <laughs> but the idea of drawing, so if you just start with a continuous line drawing, or even a drawing with the hand that you wouldn't normally use to write, or or even it sounds bizarre, but it does work. The idea of blind drawing, so you're 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 looking at the painting and you're following the lines. You know, you're not even looking at your piece of paper actually that can help to make you stop and really look in a different way and maybe a, a deeper engagement with the with the painting so techniques like that yeah um, can help slow people up the gallery also runs teacher training programs so why is it important and you probably would talk from personal experience <laughs> to, to this as well well i think so yeah yeah, so, so why is it important to, to run teacher training here as well as the programs for students? I think it's really important for teachers and we, we do a lot of continuing professional development for teachers throughout their career but also for trainee teachers because it's very important I think to embed a particular way of working and if you can do that right at the start of the career, their career I think that's, that's really helpful. As it is for students, just a change of environment, I think, is really helpful to, to work with teachers outside of the classroom or outside of the, the school environment. Just being in a different place can be really helpful in, in encouraging you to, to see, uh, see things in a different way and just think about things in a different way and, and give you that freedom, maybe, to, to think that way. So what's your favourite artwork and why? It's an impossible question. I'm, I'm really sorry. It depends on what day of the week you ask me and, you know, how I'm feeling. I, I have a number of, of favourites. I think I'm drawn to paintings where I can make a connection between what I'm seeing and, and why it was produced and where it was produced for. So I have that historian, that's probably because I'm a historian, but I, I have that context and, 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 and those are the paintings that, that, that speak to me. And also those paintings where you make a particular connection with the narrative or the, the character or, or just the way that the artist has 
expressed something. So one of my, I can give you one of my favourites. One of my favourites is um, Samson and Delilah by Rubens. I constantly go back to Delilah's expression and, and her body language at the moment where you know, she has um, betrayed him. But actually there's, there's a very ambiguous expression and the hand that she has resting on his body is, is, is very ambiguous and, and it's not a moment of triumph. It's, I'm constantly drawn back to that sort of, ooh, what is she thinking? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, how is she feeling in this moment? And, yeah. But also it's, it's such a fantastic example of, of telling a narrative yes. um, through the composition, but, but also through the way that he, he uses light to direct your attention and create atmosphere. And, and again, it's a painting that we have good evidence for who commissioned it, where it was going to hang, and, and those sort of things. On, on that, creativity is highly subjective. And <laughs> so what does it and I know this is probably an impossible question as well what does it take to be creative or, or can you even where do you start really I think it is really difficult isn't it and you're right it's, it's highly subjective I, I think that whether you're whether you're talking about music or art or poetry or whether you're, you're talking about creative thinking there, you need a sense of openness I think you need to be receptive to ideas, inspiration from from whatever source, really. And it's having that outward-looking sense of openness, I think, and the ability to see possibilities and and connections that that maybe other people don't or you know would see in a different way. So over your career in teaching, is there a standout moment that you've seen or had, say, in the National Gallery or, or with a group, but a pattern of things where you, you, you had a moment yourself when you first came here? Uh, do you see similar things happening with programs where, where kids have aha moments? Yes, I think you do. And I think that the, the moments that stand out for me are where you do get that sense that you have made a connection and you've made a connection, however, however small that might be, but there's something about that moment that makes you feel confident that that's led or will lead to change, that, that there's been something about that encounter that's changed the way people see things or think about things. Or, and also those moments where you can clearly see the enthusiasm of those people that you're you're conversing with that you know you've you've managed to encourage that in them as well you know yeah. that we we think this is important and we're very passionate about it and the rest but but being a, being able to convey some of some of that um, we had a particular project last year um, which was around the uh, something called Artemisia visits which was around an acquisition that the gallery made of a, a self-portrait by Artemisia Gentileschi, which you can see in the gallery at the moment. But, but, but last year, it visited various places, uh, slightly unusual places. So it was displayed for a week in a doctor's surgery, for example, and a library. And, yeah. uh, and one of the places we took it to was, was a high school. And just seeing... The, the students didn't know it was going. Only a very small number of teachers knew. Yeah. Um, and then they came into assembly one morning and there it was on the stage. And we went and, and did a number of activities with them and, and also with some of their primary uh, feeder schools. And, and that, sort of. that was a real moment of their excitement and their connection 
with having that painting in their environment yeah. was just incredible uh, and really very moving in their, their reactions to the painting, to, to the artist, to her personal story. Um, it was a school that had been um, set up by um, uh, very forward-thinking and pr uh, pioneering women in the 19th century, so they really made that connection with the artist as somebody who was forward-thinking and pioneering herself but then at the end of last year they some of those students came back to the gallery to see the painting here and I've never seen anybody so excited <laughs> you know again they were students who many of them had not been to London they'd certainly not been to the gallery but when they walked into the the room where the painting was they had that immediate that's our painting you know they were so excited to see her on the wall here and to think back to that experience of school they really made that connection you think that's actually something that's really going to stay with people oh absolutely and, and they've forever got that connection with that yeah. work of art the person and the the space here at the yeah. national gallery that's that's really cool and i think that yeah. that's a very particular example but yeah. i think that does say something about what we're hoping to, to form those connections and when you do manage to do that or you manage to enthuse somebody about that, then, then that's what that's one of those moments. It's one of those wonderful teaching moments. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. So what are some pointers for teachers and students who are coming to the gallery to be able to prepare effectively for a visit? I would say slow down. Don't try and see everything. Try and give things a chance. Take a chance on something that you don't think you're going to like. You know, it's outside your period or not an artist you're familiar with or, you know, oh, I don't like paintings of flowers or whatever it is. Just, just take a chance. And come with an open mind. Be quite open to, to what you're going to see and what you're going to think about it. And one of my tips, obviously read the label last, yes. <laughs> which we've mentioned. Try something new. And that could be about what you look at but it could also be trying a different technique for engaging so we've mentioned drawing and we've mentioned music or but also um, maybe discussing with with someone else that you come with whether that's another student or whether it's with a teacher maybe choosing things for each other to, to think about or, or, or to look at but also to move around and, and by that I don't just mean around the gallery I mean when you're looking at a painting move around so things look different if you're standing further away or closer to or off to the side. And, and if we're thinking about where paintings might have been painted for, they weren't necessarily at a regular height or they weren't designed to be seen from standing right in front of it, square on. So just see what happens. You know, maybe scrunch your eyes up and see what you notice. You know, does the light look different? Do you notice particular things? So be open to trying those new ways of, of maybe looking and thinking. Actually, if I think of one artwork in the, it's actually in the Australian War Memorial, and at a distance it just looks like the cliffs of Gallipoli, but if you go up really closely to it, you can see the individual soldiers scrambling up the cliffs, and it's a fascinating thing, because one perspective, it's just, oh, it's a landscape. However, going close yeah. in, it is totally different.
I think that really, it's something, I mean, I forget to do as well. I think we all do, you know, we go and stand in front of a painting yes. and <laughs> we're at regulation, you know, distance from it or, you know, however close we can get because there are lots of other people looking or, or yeah. whatever it is. And it really does pay to move around and just change your, your perspective. You will notice different things. You will think, make those different connections. So what's coming up over the next 12 months in the gallery? We are thinking really about encouraging students to take a bit more control in how we might be able to do that, how we might be able to give them more, more agency. So um, getting thinking about ways that they can pose their own questions, they can set their own agenda, um, they can direct their own learning, but still within a framework that would be acceptable to their teachers, for example. But ways that we can, we're exploring ways that we can do that. We're also exploring ways that we can make the collection accessible beyond the, the gallery, because obviously we're, we're a national gallery, but we are in London, so it's not always possible for people to visit. And so how can we connect with those students in a meaningful way? You know, is that through, you know, obviously digital, but, but I, I, ways that we might be able to do that. And not only how we can connect them with the individual paintings, but the experience of the collection, if that makes sense. So some of those things that we were talking about earlier about it's the biggest building that people have been in, yeah. the scale of the, you know, how can we convey some of that? Because it's a very unique space and, and, and as you mentioned, that, that does form part of that experience here at the gallery. How can we, is there any way that we can make some of that accessible to those people who, who are not able to come here? And we're always looking at new ways of engaging students and teachers. So thinking about how the school curriculum is changing in the UK, how the government priorities are changing, um, and how can we help to enable that, but also encourage this idea of a much broader and richer curriculum. So we do have to link with everything else that's going on in yeah. schools, but how can we do that in a, in a really creative way way that's going to broaden people's experiences. Well, I think that sounds like a wonderful year coming up and thank you so much for your time today to talk You're about welcome. the experiential programs of the National Gallery. So thank you, Caroline. Thank you. That was Caroline Smith, Programmer for Schools and Teachers at the National Gallery in London. For more information on the great range of educational programs offered by the National Gallery, check out the links in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a nice review and give us a rating. It helps others to find the podcast and helps us to review and improve the show as well. If you'd like to get in touch or want to let us know about an experiential education program you're running, please drop us a line through the website. Join us next week as we explore more great stories and ideas for experiential education.